0: Hey, so glad you're here. Let me add my welcome uh, again to uh, anyone who is visiting, particularly for the first time. Uh, so wonderful that you are with us today. Thanks for uh, being so brave, <laughs> making the effort to come and join us. And uh, if you're a regular, great to see you here. If you're watching online and you're not feeling well today, uh, may you recover quickly. And I include amongst that as well uh, Luke. Uh, who has uh, been down with COVID this week. So Luke, we look forward to uh, seeing you uh, back on your feet and uh, helping us smooth out some of the wrinkles uh, in the Sunday morning services in the future. Right, let me just get my slides going here. Hey, uh, thanks so much once again to everyone who completed uh, our church survey a few weeks ago. I know I've mentioned a few times, probably getting sick of me talking about it, quite frankly. But um, it was so helpful to us. And one of the themes that came through so strongly was a desire, kind of latent desire, uh, for us as a church at New Vine to be much more involved with our local community. And it's almost like um, comment after comment was sort of repeating this theme, and and there were some really helpful suggestions as well, some things we'd thought of, some things we hadn't thought of. And... In our planning retreat last weekend, when we got the lead team together and the staff team together, this was a theme that uh, both sort of came into our planning retreat via the surveys because it was um, a theme that was bubbling up so much in the surveys. But it was also a theme that was on our heart. And as we prayed and and tried to dream and seek God for what it was um, that He would have us as a church community prioritize in the uh, months and years to come. Uh, there was certainly a common mind amongst those teams working together as one team uh, that this had to be a priority. So it's going to be something that you see a lot more about uh, in the coming months and years as we sort of finalise how it is we can outwork that kind of latent desire. But it feels like an idea whose time has come, or at least has come back around in this new season. It's not like we've never done it before. And to all of those people who are actually active in that at the moment, uh, either as part of the church or outside, of, but particularly our church groups here, like those who are involved in Scripture or SRE in schools who uh, run our Little Vines playgroup with community uh, mums, or our multicultural play group, Helen and Paul, uh, every uh, uh, Wednesday running that, uh, or if you're involved in other ways in connecting with our local community, then thank you so much to you, uh, and we want to honour and recognise that. But even though there is this broader desire, I think, bubbling up in our uh, congregation and certainly in me, that we connect with our our broader community, there are a couple of obstacles uh, in the way of us fully fledgedly, if that's a word, expressing. It's not a word. But he says no. Fully, in a fully fledged way. I've, uh, thank you, Fee. It's great to have a grammar checker um, on, on site. That's awesome. Uh, AJ's not so sure about that, but uh, no, thank you, Fee. That's wonderful. So in a more fully fledged way. And two of those obstacles are, well, for some people this comes naturally, uh, the ability to kind of connect with people and to be able to start conversations that, that lead on to conversations about faith. And about Christ. And for other people, it's a lot harder. For some people, uh, if you're a mere model like me, it, it, it can be a little bit intimidating how it is that you just, you know, walk up to someone and start a conversation like that. Um, is Deb, Deb Rowe here today? Deb is so good at this. AJ, a, another natural at it. Uh, and I salute everyone who's already connecting in our community in some way uh, through the things I've mentioned. But For many of us, it's a much more difficult task. We don't even know necessarily where to start sometimes. But secondly, another obstacle is that us as followers of Jesus, we've got some ground to make up in the court of public opinion, even in our local community. Now, we talked earlier this year, if you've been on the journey with us uh, through this last six months, you'll have heard me say a number of times in earlier sermons, talk about the negative perceptions of the church and of Christians, that are, you know are in, seem to be increasing in our broader society. But here's an exchange from our own backyard. This is uh, an exchange from the local face group, Facebook group just late last year, and it hints kind of at, at some of these negative perceptions of churches or the church, if you like, even here in our own vicinity. Now, I've blacked out the names and, and pictures and things to protect identities. And I do want to say, because we're online and, and available later as well, um, I want to say that if anyone whose posts I cite here ends up watching this back, even though your names and everything are blacked out and you recognize it, then I, I just hope that you'll see the spirit in which I'm sharing this this morning. And in fact, I might say that I'm, I'm really appreciative of these posts in a way because you've helped us eyeball how some members of the community feel so I just felt like I need to preface this with that but here's one of the posts I hope you can read it up there Uh, the question lying behind these posts I haven't captured it's something like this what's that new building being built down the road in the sanctuary now if you don't live around here the sanctuary is a is a local building development Uh, who lives in the sanctuary by the way Okay, you guys know it really well. So, so it's just up the road here, part of our Fletcher uh, in my Maryland community. So the question was, what, what's that new building going in? And, and one of the responses uh, was this, place of worship, nothing exciting, unfortunately, and a sad emoji. Well, that's actually as good as it gets. <laughs> the next one said this, it's a church, unfortunately, which gets another comment, Shame it isn't something that the whole community wanted or will use. And then another comment I put in an objection when the DA, the development approval, came up. There is something or are something like 30 churches in a 10k, 10km radius. This one will be behind a big fence, and then they go on to make a few more uh, comments. And then they say this absolutely zero community benefit here. To which someone else replies, I wish I put in an objection too. Absolutely zero community benefit. It's a church, unfortunately. Shame it isn't something that the whole community wanted or will use. Now, to be fair, these comments are about a specific church being built in a specific location. And part of the concern might be that the land could have been used for a community facility of some kind. But what a shame it isn't immediately clear that a new church is going to be a community facility. And what really hit home for me when I read these comments was that these people, they're not faceless, cynical, armchair sceptics or Twitter trolls. In fact, I know one of these people. And I can say, hand on heart, that that person at least is one of the most selflessly community-minded people I know deeply committed to volunteering in a community kids program that my own family has been involved in. So, New Vine, here's our problem. As a church, the survey says that many of us are yearning to see New Vine, sorry that was an Australian joke, sorry Olivia, I'm brave and am that's a kind of in-joke. Anyway, many of us are yearning as, uh, as a church to be much more in the local community. We desperately want, it seems, to connect and engage and see people come to know the love and life that God offers us in Jesus. But where do we start? Alongside Scripture and the other great things that are already going on. And even more challenging is, how do we overcome these kinds of obstacles opposition and negative perceptions so that people will even be open to hearing about Jesus. Well, every problem is an opportunity. So what is a challenge is also a chance to change some minds and some opinions. What if we could change this It's a church, unfortunately, to this. It's a church, fortunately. And from shame, it isn't something that the whole community wanted and will use, to great, it is something that the whole community wanted and will use. Can you imagine that possibility with me? That opportunity, well, it's going to take some work. It may even take years, but making, opening up our facilities here to the community is certainly on our radar, and many, many, many people commented on that in the survey, which was very encouraging. But in the meantime, connecting with our community and providing a more positive experience of a church which just may open people up more to knowing Jesus. How do we do that? That journey of a thousand miles starts with a thousand steps. Those first steps are what this initiative that we're launching today is all about, our so loved initiative. Now, it's not the full story, but it might be the first page. And hopefully, it might even become habit-forming, for us as followers of Jesus. And for some it already is. Some of us need new habits. So my job today is to incite you. Mm. Uh, Not this kind of inciting. This kind of inciting. And not only is it my job to incite you It's also your job to incite me. It's our job to incite one another. All right, I'm going to explain a little bit more about that shortly. Uh, But first, let's read a passage together. This is a short passage from Hebrew 10, which AJ referred to uh, in the opening. And we're going to just dig a little bit deeper. Now, if you're visiting or you're not a person of faith or you're new to faith, so great to have you here. But just to help orient you, Hebrews is a part of the New Testament in the Bible. Uh, It was originally a letter written in the first century. We don't know exactly when uh, or by whom. But it was written sometime in the decades after Jesus died and rose. We don't know who wrote it, as I say, but it's been said that it's a bit like a Christian introduction to the Old Testament. Telling early followers of Jesus, including many who came from Jewish backgrounds how the ancient Jewish laws and priestly practices and other uh, requirements had been fulfilled in Jesus, leading to a new and better way. So in chapter 10, the author says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters. Now this therefore, you kind of got to go back and know what it's therefore, right? So it follows a long discussion about how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament need for priests and for sacrifices through his own sacrificial death and resurrection. So the next bit that comes after this first few words has lots of references to the old Jewish temple and its most holy place along with the practices associated with it. And they're all reinterpreted in Hebrews in light of the person of Jesus. So to pick it up, therefore... Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that central sacred part of the temple, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, we can unpack all that if we have time, but we will keep moving Because of all of this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Perhaps there is some encouragement for you just in that verse alone even this morning. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. But let us get to this bit, because this is where we're focusing with this particular initiative that we're launching today. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then the writer finishes... This particular passage say, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approach. Now, there's so much in there we could unpack and many of you read it many times, um, but at least for the moment, let that kind of reading of the whole passage uh, be an encouragement to you in some way. But let's back up to this key verse. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Because as AJ and Libby said towards the start of the service, this verse is at the heart of our whole whole So Loved initiative, which we're talking about now. With more time, we could go back and look at the whole passage, but for now, let's focus here. Because our focus today is on the challenge laid down by the writer of this wonderful letter in this verse alone an exhortation as relevant in the 21st century as it was in the first century. Now, if you, uh, if you love a good little bit of biblical exposition, this is for you. If not, go ahead and munch on those chockeys, uh that you got earlier, and we'll be done this bit shortly. But I know many of you like to go deeper. So let's dig deeper for a minute or two just into this first firstly it starts with this let us now this is a a phrase that's repeated three times in this passage and in other words it's a collective effort we are to join together in this endeavor and then the, the verse continues consider how we may now Like all of the New Testament, as many of you know, this letter is like uh, a Netflix show that has been dubbed. If you ever watched those dubbed things. Personally, I prefer if they just put the subtitles on, because the mouths and the words never quite match up when they're dubbed, do they? Um, But anyway, in this instance, if you like, English has kind of been dubbed over the original language that it was recorded in. The letter was written in the sort of street Greek of the first century. And like all dub shows, the dubbed words don't quite match up with the original words. They do their best. The Greek words that have been dubbed over by the English translation here um, suggest that consider, let us consider, doesn't mean just a passing thought, but actually implies a concentrated consideration or contemplation. So stopping to think deeply or to consider carefully um, how we can do what comes next, which is this, to spur one another on toward. Now, again, the underlying words that are dubbed over here as spur one another on are isparoxysmon paroxysmon in the Greek. Paroxysmon, from which we get the word you might recognize if you're a bit of a word uh, geek, paroxysm. Paroxysm, have you heard of that word? It's a bit of an old-fashioned word. What does it make you think of? Paroxysms of? Sorry? Laughter. Oh, laughter. Okay, that's a good one. Or maybe anger or uh, something like that. So, actually, I reckon it sounds a little bit like, I thought it when I was reading this last night, it sounded a little bit like a good name for a death metal band or something rather. So, I actually Googled and it turns out there's two, two <laughs> death metal bands named paroxysm, one in Montreal, Canada, one in, in Melbourne, actually, as it turns out. Anyway... In Greek, eis um, paroxysmon" means to incite, um, which can be used in a negative way, like it is, for example, in Acts fifteen thirty-nine, where the same term describes the really sharp argument or disagreement that Paul and Barnabas had about whether they should take Mark with them. So sharp a disagreement, so kind of so angry did it get from the sounds of it, that they parted ways and didn't continue on their missionary endeavours together. Also, in the Old Testament, we see it used to mean to incite anger and hatred and so on. But in this verse, it's used in a positive way. And that is, it means to provoke, or stir up, or stir to, or incite. In this sort of way, not that sort of way. And what is it that we are to incite, or to stir up, or provoke paroxysms of love and good deeds. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you, you are not bound by this requirement. Although you may agree that it's, it's a pretty good ethic to live by all the same. And, may, and maybe you do, um, instinctively. In fact, some of the kindest, most loving people I know do not share my faith in Jesus. But those of us who are followers of, of Jesus, note a couple of things. Firstly, what we are not exhorted to incite each other towards here. We're not exhorted to incite each other to bad deeds or bad works, um, not to violence, not to division, nor to a kind of rampant individualism individualism over caring about the good and well-being of others. Instead, we are to incite one another to love and good deeds. Now, like Paul, uh, the author of Hebrews uh, uses the word, Uh, the Greek word agape here, of love. And it's the kind of love that reflects God's own love, which we see in 1 John 4, where John actually identifies the being and essence of God as love. God is agape, John writes, not once, but twice in chapter 4 of his book. But just like the love of God can't stay abstract, Our love also can't stay abstract. This this verse propels us to take a kind of an abstract idea of nice feeling or happy feelings or something towards other people and pushes us to put it into practice. Love leads to action. God does not sit afar when the world is in need of a saviour. But God himself enters the fray. He puts legs quite literally, on his love for the world in the person of Jesus. And not only legs, but also nail-pierced hands. So love compels us to action, or it's not love. Because as John uh, says elsewhere, let us not love with words or with speech, but in action and in truth. So, love is expressed in good deeds. It's all of our jobs, therefore, to incite one another to love and good deeds. Uh, Who's feeling a little bit more comfortable about being incited now? Is that a bit more comfortable? Okay. Well, that, in a really, really big way, is what So Loved is all about. So, let's get a bit more practical then. How are we going to do it here and now? Well, AJ and Libby outlined just a couple of things uh, earlier, including our our sermon series uh, that starts today and carries on for the next 10 weeks. And that sermon series will tell the whole story of Scripture through the lens of God's immense love, because long before God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, God loved the world, and He still does. And that series will help lay the biblical and theological foundation for this to be more than just a kind of a feel good community service endeavor. We are a church, not just a charity. We have good news to share, not just good deeds to do. But as James says, faith without works is dead. So here's what we've come up with it's a big, hairy, audacious undertaking a massive challenge that we want to throw down. But I just reckon, New Vine, we're up for this. We're calling it the 1,000 Acts Initiative. The challenge is this, that together, as a community of Jesus followers, to do a 1,000 acts of love and community kindness over the next hundred days a thousand acts of love and community kindness over the next hundred days that's not each by the way that's um that's together that makes you feel a little bit better does that feel like a big hairy audacious something a thousand acts of love and community kindness now actually the, the numbers don't matter the aim is, is not to kind of reach a thousand acts and pat ourselves on the back and then stop. Really, the aim of this campaign or this initiative on this side of COVID, COVID. I've, I've caught some brain thing, obviously. Foggy-headed, I don't know, lack of sleep. Anyway, the aim on this side of COVID is to kickstart a lifestyle of love and good deeds. Because a 100 days is about what it takes to form new habits. Now, again, for those of you who are already in this habit, it just comes naturally, God bless you and may your tribe increase and I want to be like you. But for those of us who need uh, a little help, a little spurring on to kickstart a new habit, then that's what this is all about. And more than that, our focus is on not how good a job we do as a church, again, so we can pat ourselves on the back. The, the aim is to make it easy for us to start that journey of 1,000 miles with a 1,000 small, single steps. It's about starting, growing our connections and contributions to our local community in a positive way, which may just change someone's perception of churches and their value in the community. Maybe even making these people curious about why. It's to help strengthen our local community, to build bridges, not barricades, and perhaps even make something better for someone next door or across the street or down the road. And of course, ultimately, showing love is its own aim. It's its own good thing. But this initiative is intended to help us put legs on love, and it's also meant to help hundreds of others experience a little bit of love that just might make their burden lighter. Someone who's suffering in what's been called the loneliness pandemic. Someone who needs to know that there's still a little bit of love in this tough world that they live in every day. And that they too matter and are appreciated that they're loved. Well, anybody read this book? Oh, I see that hand, Jody McEwen, good on you. Oh, a couple, okay, wonderful. Sorry, it sounded like an altar call or something there for a moment. (laughs) I see that hand. Ah, it takes me back to my youth. Well, it's a book by a guy called James Clear. And in it, the author, uh, this is one of the best-selling business books at the moment um, and and kind of, uh, you know, um, self-development books, you might say. But in it, James Clear busts the myth that major changes result from really big shifts, that we create habits by taking these big jumps into a different type of behaviour. He busts that myth. He said that's not the way that habits form or change most commonly. He Rather, he argues that small, even tiny uh, steps result in big changes over time. For example, he says... All big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single decision. Now, I know this is not from the Bible, but there might be some wisdom in it for us all the same. For us as a church, it means that if we want to be more connected to our community, if that's a genuine desire on our part, if we want to be a more loving and welcoming community, then it starts with each of us making a single step, a tiny decision to act. And if each of us do one thing each week, it might just become a habit. Okay, but what do we do? That's great, Um, but what are some concrete examples? Well, we want to make it easy um, by suggesting things, but the sky is the limit. The possibilities are endless. Uh, only limited by our creativity and imagination. But here are a few starting points, at least. And we'll circulate these um, by email or through, uh, through our social media and things. And these are just examples. Simple starting points, perhaps. Bake someone biscuits or treats uh, and and take them next door with a little note to say that they are loved, they're great neighbours. Maybe mow someone's lawn. Not so much need for that at the moment, but in the warmer months. Um, <laughs> Pay for an extra coffee in a cafe for the staff to give to someone who looks like they might need it, which could be me tomorrow morning, Um, but no. Uh, Oh, by the way, if you do this, don't don't record it and put it on TikTok. That made the news over the weekend. where where someone did something a little bit like this, they kind of stole our idea. But then they filmed, uh, they they bought groceries, and they paid for the next person's groceries at the checkout, but then they filmed it and put it on TikTok, and the poor person who was the recipient of the groceries, well, it just backfired. It left a a kind of sour taste in their mouth when they saw themselves on TikTok sometime later. So this is not about us, you know, getting glory for it. It's about just doing something um, kind of quietly and even anonymously um, in some cases. But some more ideas. Buy a hamper or care package, For someone having a hard time, write a note of appreciation to someone who serves you in a local shop with a smile. Bring all your neighbours' bins in. um, I mean, all your neighbours' bins, like up the street. Oh no, just just nearby. Um, Send someone flowers or a bottle of wine as a thank you. Um, Put on a street party if you want to go a bit bigger. Invite your local next-door neighbours. Clean up rubbish around your neighbourhood with your family. Spend time with an elderly housebound. As I say, the possible isn't endless. They're just some starts. And over the next uh, 10 weeks, we're going to be uh, giving you more practical ways that we can put legs on this, both together as, uh, collectively as a church and as individuals in our own local neighbourhood and so on. And, of course, uh, AJ and Libby talked about the, the Local Legends Initiative. That's, a, that's one way that together as a church we can kind of recognise some special individuals in our community and just tell them that someone noticed that they are um, contributing to our local community. But we can do all do this on a, on a local level wherever you live. Um, you can do the same thing. And when you do, uh, you can let us know. I mean, you don't need to put your name all over it, say, look what I did, but because it's, it's not about getting glory, but it is, in part at least, about seeing what we can do together. When we combine forces, when we combine our actions, what we might be able to do. And that's why, on your seats, you saw this, and the kids collected some of them to take them out. This is just a way of us hearing back some of the the interesting ideas and the exciting things that the ways that people have found to put legs on it in their local neighbourhood or um, or community. Uh, And the idea is that this sticks on your fridge, and you can just write a a really short, simple um, explanation of something that you did. You don't need to put your name on it. Again, it's not about boasting. It's just about, hey, I was able to take something next door. And you know what? It just kind of led to this great conversation where I was able to really tell someone that they were awesome. Or I was able to talk a little bit about my faith, whatever it might be. So you can write just a, a simple thing on there. They're all perforated. You can then tear them off each week before you come to church. You can bring them to church. We've got a little post box out in the foyer. You can pop it in there, and then what we're going to do is hang them all in the foyer, on the, you'll see it as you go out, on the string uh, above the foyer, we're going to clip them all on there and watch it grow over the next hundred days from zero, there's a few on there at the moment, but they're blank. Um, so we will take those ones down, they are not kind of false entries, uh, we'll take those ones down, we'll write on them, um, but you'll see them out there as a show, and, and it'll be great to see that all fill up, won't it, as the weeks come. Because small things, it doesn't take a big thing. Sometimes we just need that prod, that provocation, that spur, that incitement. And also in your packs with your chalkies, we gave you this. Now you can keep that if you want. You can keep it. You can stick it on your mirror or your fridge or whatever. Or... If you like, you can use it. You can pay it forward. You can write a little note on it to put with your care hamper or your bickies or whatever it is that you decide to do. Or you can pop it in someone's letterbox with a little note screw on the front and the back or something like that. Or attach it to, I don't know, um, a voucher or, or just something. So that's there for you to use. And we have got heaps more of both of these things. Um, So if you want more than one, come and see us. We've got box loads of them, or we will get more box loads of them printed, won't we, Jill? That's right. And also those sheets, once you've done your five, it doesn't stop there. We can give you another one. Um, So uh, don't run out by any means. But if you need to, write it on a sticky note. If you run out of paper there, write it on anything you can find that preferably doesn't have your name and address on it. And we will hang it up uh, out there and see it all grow. Right got the idea? Well, remember that the reason that we spur one another on to love and good deeds is to echo in tiny and inadequate ways the love of God himself for that person. And that's a love that existed before the beginning of time. Let me close with this kind of thought. Because when John says in the first letter of John that God is love, When you piece that together with other parts of John's Gospel and John's letters and other parts of the New Testament and the Old Testament, we see this picture emerge of a God who himself exists in all eternity before the foundation of the world as the mutual love and honouring of the Father towards the Son and the Spirit, and the Son and the Spirit towards the Father, and so on. A God who exists eternally as loving relations between Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, yet a God who is not so singular that he exists in some kind of eternally loveless and relationless state. Rather, we see from scriptures that God in himself has eternally been relational between Father, Son and Spirit and those relations are characterised by love in his eternal existence. He doesn't need us to become loving. He is eternally loving. He has all the love he needs without us. Which raises the question, well, if he doesn't need us, why is there an us? Why is there a world and what happens uh, when, what happened when the world turned its back on his love? Well, John Attia is going to start helping us answer that question next week. Here in the next uh, sermon in the series, don't miss John's message, it's going to be a cracker. Uh, but for now, let's just say that the answer to that question is a four-letter word. And it's found in the overwhelming, never-ending, some might say... Reckless love of God. I'm going to invite the musos up um, on that queue. See what I did there? But as we close, let me loop back around, and before they sing a song that might just sound a little bit like that, let me loop back around to where we began. Remember these texts? Well, imagine with me for a minute a different scenario, the kind of scenario we talked about earlier where instead of saying, it's a church, unfortunately, they say, it's a church, fortunately. A similar scenario is spelled out in a book that I've been listening to on Audible uh, recently. It's a book called Know What You're For, and it's by a, a pastor called Jeff Henderson, who for many years was with Andy Stanley at North Point Ministry. North Point Ministry He's also worked in the business world, etc. And he poses a question that's familiar to some of us here um, and the question is this, if our church closed down, would the community even notice? Now, you've probably heard that question here before, even uh, if you've been around a while. But what I love is what Henderson goes on to say. He goes on to say this. This is the exact question that I posed in the early days of our church. It's admittedly an odd question uh, to, in, the, in the startup days, but I wanted it to guide our thinking. I wanted us, he says, to add so much value to the community that if someday we decided to close the church, the community would protest and try to keep us open. I would want, he says, the mayor, the school principals, teachers, business owners, parents and students, students to call and say, hey, you can't close. We, our community needs this church to stay open. Well, what if, rather than putting in objections to a DA DA, when a church is going to be built, the community protested when the church was going to close? Maybe as James Clear said, the seed of that future is a single step, a tiny decision that each of us can make that each week for the next 10 weeks, we will engage in at least one act of love or community kindness towards someone in our local community or neighbourhood. And perhaps in time, we will become precisely the type of church that so many of us are passionate about becoming. Because as James Clear also goes on to say, every action is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Every action we take is a vote for the type of church that we want to become. But even better, as the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says, let us consider carefully, in a concentrated way, how we may incite or provoke or prod or spur one another on towards agape and good deeds. Perhaps then we too will become defined by our love like the God who so loves our world. Amen.